Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the career path of a business professional to help you understand what direction you can head in your career. Joining us is Amanda Pietracola, who is the CEO of Momentum Technology, which is a tech company that focuses on managing innovative and forward-thinking solutions for how the world communicates. Amanda began her career as an intern during her freshman year of college, and over the past eight years, she's worked her way up from being an intern to a technical support representative, a director of customer success, and then a product manager. And last year, the product that she managed was acquired by Momentum Technologies, and she took over as the CEO after the acquisition. And today, Amanda is going to tell us about how she became the CEO of a technology company and what you need to know to follow in her footsteps. Okay, here's my conversation with Amanda Pietracola, the CEO of Momentum Technologies. Amanda, welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. I'm excited to have you on the show, excited to talk a little bit about your career and help the early careerists that are listening understand what they need to do to become the head honcho, the boss. You've managed to do that in a very short period of time, only eight years. So tell us a little bit about your career where did you go to school? Let's start at the beginning. What was your first transition into the working world like? Sure. So I actually began my college career at my local community college. I got my associates there, and then I transferred to Fairleigh Dickinson University for my bachelor's. And it was a great experience. I was much like most college students where I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I decided to get my degree in business. I figured I can use that anywhere. And I would get a really well-rounded view of business and get a chance to study different concentrations and see if there was anything that I really enjoyed. The neat thing was that when I transferred from my community college to Fairleigh Dickinson, the only business degree they offered was business and technology, all kind of wrapped into one. So it was perfect because unbeknownst to me, that degree would would marry really well with what I would be doing for my career. So that's a little bit about my college background. So you and me are similar in the sense that we both were business majors in college, and I had a very similar experience where I knew that you know coming out of college, I wanted to figure out a way to be independent and make some money. And that's really why I started focusing in business. You found technology, and you had some work experience in college that you mentioned was valuable. Tell me about your first job. You were basically started your career while you were still working in college. Yes. So in my freshman year of college, I decided very early on that I wanted to intern somewhere. I didn't know where or exactly within what field, but I just had kind of this gut feeling that an internship was the best way to get my feet wet and kind of get my foot in the door to see if potentially I could even build a career from an internship. It's really low pressure. You're coming in and the head honcho, so to speak, expect that you really don't know much. 
So it's a really great way to learn. I did it for college credit, so it was even less pressure than some paid internships might be. But it was a wonderful way of getting some experience in that field very early on in my college career. And the great thing for me was that my internship ended up very quickly becoming my full-time job and then led into my full-blown career. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you get the internship? Was this a relationship that you already had? Was it a cold outreach and application process? What, what did you have to do to land that job? Uh, great question. So I was actually working at a daycare at the time that I had just started college. And one of the moms whose son attended the daycare, her and I hit it off and we became friends fairly quickly, found out that our degrees were somewhat similar. And through a conversation, I mentioned I was looking for an internship and she said that her company might be interested. I was actually the first intern they had ever had, but simply through just a connection in a very unlikely place. You know, most people don't think that by working at a a daycare that they'll end up kind of falling into their full-blown career. But it was just a simple connection that was made and that significantly helped me get to where I am today. So I think that's an important story that the start of your career, not only your working career, but also your career in technology, started by networking. You built a relationship with somebody at a daycare, obviously not technology related when you were starting that first work experience, but what you did that helped you be successful was talk to people about what you're thinking about your career, express an interest, and ask for help. So I think that's a valuable lesson when you're early on. You never know who is going to have the relationships that helps you get that first job, which ends up being a stepping stone. Eventually, you transitioned your internship into a full-time job. When you graduated from college and it was time to go out on your own, what was the process like there? Was it just assumed that you would work full-time? Did you have to apply? Tell me about your experience getting into the working world. So I was actually very fortunate because where I interned my freshman year of college was where I worked for those full eight years before transitioning into my CEO role currently. So I was very blessed that I did not have to do the typical job hunt because I had really started very early on in my college career interning and then... I moved up within that company that I had interned at. So that definitely removed some of the pressure a lot of college students feel exiting college. But that's why, personally, I would strongly recommend interning while you're in school because it it certainly helps remove a lot of that pressure so many college students feel as they're graduating. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that is the most stressful for when you're graduating college. I know it was when I was the feeling of uncertainty and not knowing what's going to happen next. And part of that has to do with you're starting without a professional network. And so I felt very flat-footed when I was looking out for a job because all of the people that I was reaching out to, I was getting to know in the first place. I wish I had done more internships and I wish I had taken advantage of the relationships that I had to help me find my first job. You clearly did a nice job of doing that. And so you bridged the gap and didn't actually have to do or go through an application process. I don't know if that's the case for most college students or people that are entering the working world. Most of us still have to apply for jobs and the internships don't always turn from part-time work to full-time. But that networking and that relationship and starting that while you're in school is very, very valuable. As you transitioned into your career. You mentioned that you stayed at this company for eight years, moving from an intern to a variety of other roles. Talk to me about the career path and how did you 
develop new skills and get promoted? So what was wonderful about the internship was that I got a chance to intern in a lot of different departments, which is not always typical with an internship. The company at the time was very much so a startup. They had you know 10 employees, so it made it very easy for me as an intern to sit with different people in different departments and get a really well-rounded view of different areas of the company. So once my internship was over, they needed someone in their technical support department. And because I had already learned some about that department, it was a fairly easy fit. I needed to get training and they trained me on the products and whatnot. But as you mentioned earlier, because I'm a relational person, dealing with customers came very naturally to me. I didn't have to get trained on people skills. Uh, It was much more just training on the technical end of things. So once I was in that role for a couple of years, the opportunity arose where they needed someone in more of a management role overseeing the technical support department. And they felt that I was a fairly natural fit for that because again, of my relationship skills. And that is something that really for anyone, I think that is probably one of the paramount skills that anyone entering the career world needs to have. You need to be a people person and value cultivating relationships because I think by far that will get you where you want to go in your career as opposed to the typical corporate mentality of kind of stepping over people to get where you want to go. It's so much easier when people like you and they have a genuine relationship with you. So I think what sticks out to me about what you said is that you started off as what's called an individual contributor, meaning that you were only responsible for your work and you had inherent skills with building relationships and people. You're naturally talented at that, but you had to develop some of the technical skills. When you were starting your career, how did you think about developing skills while relying on the things that you inherently did well? So part of it was the fact that I had a lot of great people that I'd cultivated relationships with because of the internship. A lot of those people were very happy to help train me or answer questions if I was unsure about something I was doing. I wasn't afraid to ask for help. And I think when you're not afraid to ask for help, people inherently trust you more because they know that if you don't know how to do something, you'll ask instead of just doing it the wrong way. So that was definitely something that helped me. I am an avid book reader. So oftentimes, even on my spare time, you'll find me reading books on business, on negotiating, on marketing, product management. I mean, really anything I could at the time that was business related, I was diving into and watching videos, listening to TED Talks, just anything I could to really build that skill set as quickly as possible. So I am a firm believer in asking for help and reading as many books as you can. I think there's a balance there. And I like the advice of asking for help. And that is important. On the flip side, you need to balance that with trying to figure things out for yourself as well. Early in my career, I did not have a big enough barrier to try to figure things out for myself. I was asking for help too much. And I actually got professional feedback a few years into my career saying, look, you're asking all these questions. And it's great to ask when you need help but you have the resources in front of you to figure this out for yourself. Why don't you try to do it instead of being demanding of your manager and the people around you? So you have to find that balance of asking for help, asking for feedback, but also showing that you're willing to go and try to do the work yourself. And to me, a lot of that is, look, I'm trying to do this. Here's what I am getting or where I am getting stuck Can you point me in the right direction? Show that you're actually doing the work first before you're trying to describe to somebody 
where you're getting stuck. That's a very valid point. And I think what I've observed now in more management positions, I 100% agree. I much more appreciate when someone tries to get things started and then, like you said, says, hey, I'm getting stuck at this point, as opposed to, I guess there's a difference between asking for help when you're stuck versus asking for help because you want someone else to do the work for you. Yeah, everyone finds that balance and sometimes you're stuck and sometimes you're stuck a lot. That's okay. Just try to do the work on your own first. And if you get stuck, then reach out for help. Amanda, you mentioned that you moved into a managerial role after only four years of work experience. Talk to me about what the shift was like going from an individual contributor to managing people. I'm assuming at that point you were managing people that were older and younger than you. What's it like to be a young manager? It was challenging in some ways and a natural fit in others. Because I'm a people person, I enjoyed managing people, but it was I think the hardest part for me is that when you're an individual contributor, you are measured based on what you've done. Whereas once you moved into management, your success is based on what your team has done. And that was a very difficult shift for me to recognize that how productive or successful I was like having that feeling of, wow, we did a great job today. We were productive. Wasn't necessarily because, you know, my scores were high on the scoreboard because of how many customers I assisted personally. It was how much did we as a team do? So moving into a management role, I think sometimes that's the toughest thing is to start moving from me to we. And how do I as a manager now help my team be successful? Because it's not just about you as the individual. So I feel like for lots of people that are entering the working world, I know that when I was, I had this vision of moving quickly and becoming a manager. And I thought managerial experience meant I was developing in my career. How important do you think it is to get management experience early in your career? Or is this something that you think most people should work their way into over a longer period of time? I think it really comes down to the individual, because I've seen people who are in their young 20s who are incredibly mature and very wise for their age do a wonderful job managing. And then I've also dealt with people who are, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and don't really have a great management style. Um, So I really think it comes down to the individual and how they're wired. Having said that, I think it is good for everyone to have management experience as early as possible, but it doesn't necessarily have to start in their career. It could be volunteering for an organization and having some type of leadership role within maybe a department within that organization. Um, There's so many different community outreaches, churches, a lot of ways to volunteer time and get that experience at a younger age. So that way you can bring that into your career. I think that's a good point is that management experience doesn't always necessarily have to come in the working world. And depending on what your career path is, and depending on what your skill set is, it might be something that happens later. And not everybody needs to be a manager to be successful. There are some people who are specialists who are great at their jobs and well compensated and very successful. And they don't actually have to manage anybody. So when you're thinking about managerial experience, My advice is you don't have to be in a rush to get it in a career perspective, but if you want to develop those skills, if it's not happening in your career, you can volunteer other places to get that experience. Amanda, eventually you worked your way out of the customer success department to product management uh, and on to becoming the CEO. Talk to me about that transition. Yes. So from customer success 
uh, director that was overseeing our technical support department and customer service. Moving from that into product management, that was a completely brand new territory for me. I had obviously never worked in that field before. And I was very privileged to have an individual who was happy to mentor me in that role. Um, But it was a very big shift away because I went from a management role to now overseeing product and our services and now working with our marketing teams and engineering teams, but I wasn't actually managing anyone. (laughs) So it was kind of a big shift because now instead of managing people, I was managing a product and all of the inner workings of that and working with all these different departments. So that in and of itself was a shift I had to kind of reorient myself with. I think the important question here is what is product management? You mentioned it's different than managing people. Talk to me about what that career path is like. What are the skills you need to have to be successful at it? So for product management, there is a lot involved because you have the responsibility of making sure that a product is successful. And what I mean by that is that the revenue is growing, that the customer base is growing, that your customers are happy. It also involves innovating. So coming out with new features or new ideas to make the product even better than it was when you stepped into that role. But with that, you're also dialoguing with every single department that touches that product in some way. So marketing, engineering, data analysis, executive team. Sometimes you're presenting to the executive teams to showcase what's going on with that product. So there's so many different aspects that touch that, that you're managing. And I know you mentioned what kind of skill sets are important for that role. By far, you have to be extremely organized and detail-oriented especially when it comes down to different data points, because there will be many questions asked of you from the executive team that you need to know, and you need to be painfully aware of even the minute details within that product. Essentially, product management is like being a CEO of a mini company where you're responsible for one product, right? And you have to run the business related to that product, but it fits into the rest of the organization I feel like that's good training for you to eventually become a CEO, and that's what happened. Tell me the story of how you made the transition from running a product to being the head honcho. So last year, the product spoof card that I was the product manager for was acquired by the founders of Momentum Technology. And uh, with that acquisition, a number of us came over onto the team, and they asked if I would be interested in the role of CEO for the product. Uh, I'd known the product for eight years, worked on it, had been in the product manager role. So I really had a good grasp on the product and its history. And it was a much more natural fit than I think I expected coming into it. What you said, Ben, before was spot on as far as managing a product really does prepare you as much as one can be prepared for the role of CEO. It definitely prepared me very well because I knew the inner workings of the product and it was really just the business side that maybe I hadn't been a part of before that I had to learn. So you're expanding your role from product management to becoming the CEO. And you mentioned that you had to learn the business side. Talk to us about what life is like as the CEO. I think that when you're early in your career, when I was early in my career, you know, it's easy to point and say, I want to be the head of a company. I want to run the whole thing. I want to manage my own company. What are the benefits of being a young CEO? The benefits are are pretty vast. I love the autonomy that comes with 
being a CEO, being able to make the decisions and, and cast the vision for the company that we're all working towards and striving towards being a part of the roadmap that we're setting for the future year and being able to see the start of a product from the ground up all the way through to market are just very exciting things that I've thoroughly enjoyed being a part of. There's got to be a flip side to being a CEO. It's obviously a role where you're in the spotlight, you're making all the big decisions. What are some of the downsides and trade-offs you've experienced at being a CEO? So one of the things that I don't think people really prepare you for when you're stepping into this role is, like you said, some of the downsides that there are to it. I hate to call them downsides, but it's just really a part of the job role are that when decisions are made that people are not necessarily happy with, they know exactly who it's come from and you're you're the face of whatever the decision is because you're ultimately the one making it. So you definitely have to be confident in the decisions that you're making and recognize that not everyone will necessarily like you. <laughs> and while our company culture is paramount to who we are, we're a company that does things with excellence. I love the people that I work with. And we really work very hard at cultivating a culture of community and team. I also recognize that with the role comes certain decisions that unfortunately not everyone will always be happy with. You became a CEO very quickly and at a young age. Talk to me about how you accomplished so much in such a short period of time and what you think about the future of your career. Where do you go from here? Great question. I've thought about that a lot myself, because as far as title goes, CEO is kind of the peak, so to speak. But I, I love being at Momentum Technology. It's a great company. And honestly, I foresee me being here probably for the lifetime of my career, growing it into an even bigger company and coming out with more innovative products, and hopefully things that people will wonder how they ever lived without. I think the last question that I have for you, you've obviously been very successful in your career. And I think for the early careerists that are listening, a lot of them aspire to move up through the ranks quickly. What advice do you have for people that are leaving college, entering the work world, looking for their first jobs to set themselves on a path for success like you've found? Yeah, I think what it comes down to is that you need to know who you are as an individual as much as you can. We're always growing, always learning who we are, and that, that kind of evolves over the years. But being a person who is humble and teachable will get you much further in your career than acting as though you know it all. Arrogance doesn't get people very far, but being humble and teachable does because people tend to want to help individuals who are hungry to learn and not know it all, if you will. So I think that's certainly important. One thing that I would highly recommend, especially for the typical age group that probably listens to your podcast, years ago, I read a book called The Defining Decade by Meg Jay. And it's all about the 20s and how paramount this decade is. And so many people disregard the importance of the 20s and don't really start thinking seriously about life till they hit their 30s. And this book did an incredible job of explaining why the 20s are so important and how to really set yourself up for long-term success in this 20s decade. I think that's great advice. I think it's a book worth checking out. And Amanda, let me just say, I appreciate you being our guest on the Finding a Job podcast. Congratulations on all of your success. You've had a lot of it and we appreciate you coming on to the show. Thank you, Ben. It was a pleasure to be here. 
All right. That wraps up this episode of the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks to Amanda Pietracola for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Amanda, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet. Her company's Twitter handle is MomentumTechIO, M-O-M-E-N-T-U-M-T-E-C-H-I-O. Or you can visit her company's website, which is MomentumTech.io. You can also find the Spoof Card product at SpoofCard.com. Just a couple of links in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, it's cool. Don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to FAJ Pod, which stands for Finding a Job Pod, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Finding a Job podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have job search questions or topic suggestions, Feel free to send us a note through our website, or you can reach out on social media. Our handle is FAJPod on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a regular stream of career tips and job search strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes a couple of times a week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed as soon as we can. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to keep networking and stay positive.